Let's look in the book of Luke chapter 7 tonight, Luke chapter number 7. I want to thank everybody for coming, our visitors for being here, and uh, the ones that have come tonight. It's good to have Lou here. It's his first night he's come. And get this, this is how he found out about our church. Somebody put a, a track in his locker at the YMCA. And and listen, you say, well, that ain't, well it worked. He's here. And... Uh, and uh, that look, you can't. There's no bad place to put those tracks, gas pumps, uh, you know, bathroom stalls. Not in the toilet, but on the back of the toilet. Now, whoever finds it may put it in there, but that's between them and God. And uh, but we are glad you're here tonight, Lou, and everyone else that come tonight as well. And uh, want to read tonight what the Lord's laid on our heart. And uh, and the Lord's really used this story, this text uh, here, to help me this week. And I hope it'll be a help to you uh, tonight. In Luke chapter number 7, I'm going to say that though these are stories, they're not made-up stories. Uh, this is history, his story, the story of the Lord Jesus Christ and the acts that he did. And this is one of the great miracles that Jesus wrought in his life and on earth. And uh, I hope it will be an encouragement to you tonight. Luke chapter number 7 and verse number 11. The Bible says, And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and he touched the bier, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up. Amen. He said, do you believe that? I believe every bit of it. Amen. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and they glorified God, saying that a great prophet has risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumor of him went forth throughout all Judea and throughout all the region Around about. Father, I pray tonight you'd help us. Lord, I pray you'd strengthen us tonight with power from on high. And I pray, God, that you'd empty, of my, empty me of myself. Lord, you'd fill me with the Holy Spirit right now. Father, I stand in need tonight, Lord, as great as any time in my life, to be touched by your mighty hand. Lord, though I'm unworthy tonight, Lord, I'm not even worthy to be inside this building, much less to be standing in this holy place behind this sacred desk. Oh, God, I pray that, Lord, as you've done in days gone by, you'll do again. And give me utterance tonight. Grant me boldness, Lord, to speak the word of God plainly and clearly and with tears and compassion. And I pray that tonight the church would be helped. I pray that sinners would be convicted, that everyone would leave here closer to you than when they come. And Lord, whatever happens tonight, Lord, I'll lift my hands, Lord, trembling, and give the honor and the glory, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Look at verse number 13. Verse number 13. And I want to say this. When, when you study your Bible, the Bible was written in an orderly fashion. You understand? It was, it, was, it was written in order. God is a God of order. Do you believe that? He didn't just throw a sentence here and throw a sentence there. It's, all, it's in order. And as much as I hate grammar, it was written with grammar in mind. And punctuation and all those things are when God wrote the Bible. And when you read the Bible, when you read the stories of Christ, you can find, and for me personally, 
If you can look for one truth, one thing that's being taught there, it, unlo it unlocks the whole story. And I've been meditating on this for a week or two and trying to find that, what, what was the key of all this? What unlocks this text? And I believe I found it in verse number 13. The Bible says, When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. Weep not. And this evening, that's what I want to preach on, those two words, weep not. Now, I want you to listen carefully, and then we're going to get right to the message and get right along with the service. Jesus was not commanding, or, or Jesus was not implying that tears are sinful. To cry is sinful. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus wept. In John chapter 11, when he came to the grave uh, where Lazarus was buried, and he saw all the people weeping and crying, and the Bible says Jesus wept. Jesus wept. If you ever want to get one of those $100 questions on Jeopardy, right, remember that. Because it'll ask you the shortest verse of the Bible. I used to get that one every time when I watched Jeopardy. When my, when they, whenever they opened up with Bible category, me and my granny knew we had $500. We was ahead, and we was going to get a jump start. Some of them uh, brain doctors and, 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 and chemical scientists, they couldn't answer the simplest questions. But Jesus wept. And then in Luke chapter uh, 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 17, I think, or 19, verse 41, the Bible says that Jesus beheld the city. And he wept over it. He wept over it. So Jesus is not implying here that weeping is wrong or sinful. In fact, do you know that we all weep? We all weep. The Bible says in Psalms 30 and verse 4 that weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. But I want to ask you something. Where do tears come from? What is the cause of tears? Sin is the cause of tears. If there was no sin... There'd never be any sorrow. For the first mention of crying in the Bibles in Genesis uh, chapter 4, where Cain slew Abel, and God said his blood's crying from the ground. It was the result of sin. But we know as children of God, we've been commanded. The Bible says that we're to weep with those that weep, and we're to rejoice with them that rejoice. So when Jesus said, Weep not, he was not condemning tears, he was not uh, condemning sorrow, he was not condemning brokenness. But what he was telling her is that the season of weeping was over. Uh, there was about to be a change. Uh, she had no reason to keep weeping. Uh, she had no reason to continue to be broken because Jesus had showed up on the scene. Amen. And tonight I thought about this. And uh, you know tonight there is so much uh, that could cause us to weep tonight. Oh, so much could cause us to weep. Uh, I consider myself fairly young. Uh, I'm 37 years old. And Brother David, the America that I see now is not the same America I knew 25 years ago. Our nation is snowballing. It's rolling out of control uh, away from God. And it breaks my heart. Uh, listen, if our forefathers were here tonight and they were to watch the news and see what's going on, uh, they'd weep tonight. If, my, if the preachers that uh, led me to God and, and trained me in the ministry were here tonight, they'd weep too if they saw what was going on. Oh, but how we need to remind it to not weep because Jesus is still here. Weep not, he said. 
Oh, there's so many things that could cause us to weep. I've thought about the decay of our nation, the Laodicean spirit of the church, uh, that neither hot nor cold spirit tonight that's in the church, the daily trials and tribulations that we all must endure. But tonight I'm glad we can find comfort in two words. Weep not, weep not. I think tonight when Jesus looks down upon the mess that we're in, He looks at you and I that are saved by the grace of God and he says weep not <laughs> uh, weep not because you don't need to sorrow as others which have no hope you've got hope in this life weep not and tonight I want to just look briefly in verse, these verses we've read and I'm going to give you three reasons why if we were to be here with this widow of Nain and I can imagine her people have said a lot of things to her since her boy had died but this is an unusual statement Fairly unusual words of comfort to say to a grieving mother. But if you are to say Miss Widow of Name, I don't know her name. We'll just call her Miss W.N., Widow of Name for short. If Sister W.N. was here tonight and we said, Sis, Jesus said weep not. And we want you to tell us now, after you look back, how could you not weep in that situation? I believe there's three things right here that we can say tonight that we can say as you and I can have reason for us not to weep tonight. And the first one is this. In verse number 11 it says, And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out. It says he came nigh to the gate of the city. And I believe if she was here tonight and you said, Miss Widow of Nain, how could you not weep in that dark hour of your life when it seemed like everything was falling apart? When your son was dead and all, all your dreams had been shattered and your heart was broken again and you walked down that lonely road leading that procession. How could you not weep? I believe she'd lift her trembling hand and say, I cannot weep. I, the reason I did not have to weep was because Jesus came. Amen. Jesus came. Jesus showed up. Uh, listen, though she had much to weep about, uh, she could dry her tears because Jesus had showed up. Uh, listen, tonight we can rest assured uh, that the same Jesus that come to name, he's here tonight. You say, boy, this is awful repetitive, Brother Martin. Every miracle, it talks about Jesus came. Jesus came. And oh, we ought to learn something about this tonight. Oh, that the Lord Jesus is not repelled by our problems. He's attracted by them. The Lord Jesus is not, he's not deterred from coming to us, but he's encouraged to come to us because of our troubles. When she needed him most, he came. At the moment where she felt like she was going to break from the weight that was on her shoulders, he came. And he met her there on that lonely road outside of Nain at the gate of the city. And I believe tonight she'd say, I'm glad he came. I'm glad he came came and tonight maybe you're here and your world's falling apart. You know what you need tonight? You need Jesus to come. You need Jesus to show up and to show out in your life. Look at this, the way that he came. Now if we study we find he come from Capernaum. That's where in verses 1 through 10 
he had healed the servant, the centurion servant. It was 24 miles from Capernaum to Nain. It was an all-day journey that required much effort in order for one to travel by foot. You say, Brother James, how can that encourage us tonight? It should encourage us by this. There's no distance. There's no travel. There's no trial that can keep the Lord from a troubled soul. 24 miles. Now, I don't want to try to do the mouth, but if I was guessing, that's a little over 120,000 feet, I believe it is, 5,000 a mile, 24. I mean, listen, that's a, a three foot per step. You can divide that, about 40,000 steps he took. But Brother David, every step along the way, I can imagine that, in fact, they said that on the way to come from Capernaum up to Nain, they had to go by Endor. You remember Endor? You remember what happened at Endor? That's where old troubled Saul, the king of Israel, the spirit of God departed from him. And in his dying days, in the, I mean, he was so troubled that he went to Endor and he found a witch there to try to talk to the dead for him. But Jesus passed by Endor. I can imagine one of the disciples saying, Jesus, you remember what happened there? Oh, and I can imagine him thinking, oh, I was there when it happened. But listen, Jesus wasn't coming to pretend to talk to the dead. He was coming to really talk to the dead. But every step of the way, for 24 long miles he had this little woman on his mind and listen tonight it blesses my heart David said in Psalm 61 2 from the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed lead me to the rock that is higher than I Psalms 139.7 says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I free from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell on the uttermost parts of the sea, even there thy hand shall lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. But Jesus came the way he came. He come the long route. You understand what I'm saying? 24 miles by foot to meet this woman. This morning, he'll, this evening, he'll find you where you are. Don't worry about whether he knows where you are tonight. He knows exactly where you are, the way that he came. Then I thought about this, the wonder that he came. You can study your Bible. The word name means beautiful. And it was just a little bitty town, a little hamlet there on the lake out there outside of Galilee, close to Nazareth, about six miles from where Jesus was raised. Just a small little town, but it means beautiful. But now this place of beauty had become a place of brokenness. And the whole town was gathered around this widow and her, and her dead son. And they were weeping and wailing and marching out of the city. And oh, you say, what's the wonder that he came? This is the only time Jesus ever visited the city of Nain. The only time. What attracted him to Nain? It wasn't the beauty of the city. But it was a broken mother and a broken widow. And I'm going to say something tonight. It's a wonder that Jesus ever come to any of us. The psalmist says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? It is a wonder that he come to name. This lady was not expecting him to come. There was no reason for him to come. She had nothing to give him. You understand? Everything she had was laying on that coffin that those men were carrying. Everything she had was lying there on that coffin that the town was carrying out. Why did Jesus come? Because he loves souls and he loves 
loves people. And if you're broken tonight, he loves you too. Oh, there's the, the wonder, the wonder, the wonder is this, that in our darkest and in our most desperate hours is when Jesus is the nearest and the dearest to us. It's in our lowest moments where he'll find us and he'll pick us up and he'll help us to carry us on the rest of the way. I wish I could tell you tonight that the closest times of my life to the Lord was when I was on the mountaintop, but that's not true. It's been when I was on my face before God and I couldn't even talk. I was so hurt and broken. It was in those times when he drew nearest to me and closest to me. You see the Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the closest walk they ever had with Jesus was in the fiery furnace of affliction. And tonight the wonder is he came to name. He came, the wisdom, the wisdom that he came in. Follow me. It was no coincidence that the prince of life met the angel of death at the gate of the city. Somebody said she was just lucky that he was there when he was. No. Listen, in the dullest day of your life, believe this, there's divine design. Now, get this. Where she was at in those times when someone died... Now, most believe this was late in the afternoon, late in the evening. They had buried him on the same day. Now, Lazarus stayed there for four days. That was an exception. But because of the climate, because of all that, he, could, he wasn't dead for long. And they believe, I've read, and I believe to be, that it's very possible that before he ever died, Jesus was already on the way. Think about that. If he had been two minutes earlier... Or two minutes later, he would have missed the procession. But like the old song says, here comes Jesus right on time. Yeah. Right on time. Here she is. Now they said that it was ancient tradition that it was the mother who, who brought the child into life. And if the child died, it was, it was proper for the mother. To, you ever heard your mom say, I brought you in, I take you out? That's it. That's, that's right here. And, here. and here she is. She's leading the procession. Do you understand? The mother was at the head of the casket. And oh, she, this isn't the first time she had to go down this road. She had a husband out there buried in that cemetery. And now now this boy that she loved so much was carried behind her and can you imagine the despair in her heart as she walked they said it was a 10 minute walk 3 to 4 miles uh, uh, 2 to 3 miles outside of Nain and listen here she's coming to that gate and when she comes to that gate she sees standing in the gate is the prince of life the Lord Jesus Christ oh the wisdom of his coming he comes in time on time every time he is an old time God who does everything in a perfect way at the perfect time one man said there was one procession coming from the graveyard and another procession going to the graveyard and two processions met and oh listen one day I was on my way to the grave amen I was dead in my trespasses and sins. And this old world was carrying me out to bury me. But I'm glad Jesus stood in the way. Amen. And I'm glad I joined another procession. Amen. Oh, I'm getting way ahead of myself. But before this story's over, you find this dead boy left one procession and joined the other. 
Amen. Aren't you glad today? Like the old song says, the blood, the blood washed man. Aren't you glad you're a part of that tonight? I'm glad I'm not marching to the grave. I'm marching to glory. Amen. I'm glad I'm not headed to the grave. I'm headed from the grave. I'm glad the old man's dead tonight. I'm glad I was buried with Christ. Amen. And I've been risen, raised by the power of God. I'm not on my way to hell. I'm on my way to heaven tonight. And listen, the wisdom of this is in the perfect moment at the perfect time Jesus was where she needed him to be and tonight your boy may not be dead yet but Jesus is already on the way <laughs> he comes he came I'd say Miss Witta how can you not weep she'd say because Jesus came because Jesus came Verse number 12, it says, Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. How can we not weep tonight when we see what's going on in America? Brother David, the only way I can think is because Jesus came. And because he came, I believe he'll come again. It's either going to be rapture, revival, or ruin for the United States of America. You say, what are you praying for? I'm I'm leaning towards the rapture. These are post-tribulationists around here. They're looking for the Antichrist. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 They're so worried about this mark. They're afraid. Hey, don't worry about that. If you're saved by the grace of God, you've been sealed under the day of redemption. You're not, you're kept, you're going to be kept from the hour of temptation. That's what the Bible says. Kept from the hour of temptation. You've been saved from wrath through him that loved you. You've been, hey, listen, what I'm saying is he came. But then I believe she'd say, I cannot weep because not only Jesus came, but because Jesus cares. The Bible says he saw her. And had compassion on her. It's very obvious. Listen. It's very obvious that many people in this town cared about this boy. They were all there weeping. But like the song says, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. And oh, I believe she'd stand before you tonight and say, "Uh, Miss Widow, how can we not weep when we see the anarchy that's going on in our nation we're seeing this nation turned upside down and, and, and we're seeing it fall apart and the foundations are being destroyed. How can we not weep? She'd say, well, because Jesus came. And she'd say this, because Jesus cares. The old song says, does Jesus care? I know he cares, amen. And she'd say, listen, I want you to know this. There's a lot of things I don't know, but I know that day when I met him in the gate of that city, he looked at me in a way that nobody else ever had. He looked at me with eyes of love, mercy, and grace and had compassion on me. He cares. Did you know Jesus never saw anything without feeling something? He saw her. He had compassion on her. I believe he cared about the child that was carried behind her. There's four things we know about this boy. He was young. He was an only child. He was dead. And he was loved by his mother. Whatever causes your heart to break, breaks his too. And tonight, 
We've all got a boy on a coffin. And listen, Jesus cares about whatever that situation is. He cares. And, and, and the Bible says that he, in verse 12 that, that there was a, a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. Oh, he cared. Not only does he care about the child that was carried. And by the way, others may not care about your child. Others may not care about that dead boy. In fact, some of that crowd were only there because somebody paid them to be there. And some of them were there just because they wanted to be a part of the crowd. Some of them, but most of them there were just there to be there. But there was one person there that cared about that boy, and it was the Lord Jesus Christ. You may not care about my problems, but Jesus does. You may not care about my burdens, but Jesus Jesus does. You may not care to listen to me if I moan and cry, but I'm glad Jesus does. He cared about the child that was carried behind the widow. He cared about the crisis that was created for the widow. The Bible says she was a widow. You see, this boy dying created a great crisis in her life. She no longer had someone to help or support her. No one to work for her. No one to provide for her. And the only person in that crowd that really understood what kind of crisis she was in was her. It's real easy when it's not your boy to say, Mama, God's going to take care of you. I'm not saying we shouldn't encourage one another, but has anybody ever been there? And they say, oh, it'll be all right. It's going to be fine. You just got to trust the Lord. I'm going to be like, you, really, you think I ought to trust the Lord? I'm glad you told me that. If, I, if you hadn't told me that, I never would have known that. Never would have thought that. That never would have dawned on me. Faith. Man, is that, what's that? What's faith? Is that in the Bible? Is that a new word? Oh, yeah, it is in the Bible a few thousand times. I might have read it a few hundred times. But anyhow, don't you know there was a lot of people trying to comfort her? But in reality, there's only one person that really understood her crisis. It was Jesus. And whatever your circumstance is tonight, he cares about it. It may seem foolish to others, but it doesn't seem foolish to him. It may seem small to others, but it's not small to him. It may, hey, it may seem insignificant to others, but it's not insignificant to him. The Bible says he's touched by the feelings of our infirmities. We have not a high priest that cannot be touched, with the feelings, but he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He cared about the crisis that was created for her. He cared about the child that was carried behind her, but he also cared about, he cared about the cries that were coming from her. It says in verse 13, weep not. This woman never asked for help, but Jesus could read the tears coming from her eyes. Tears are a language that only God can understand. You say, Brother James, the only thing I can do about my circumstances is weep, then weep. Listen, the Bible says, he said, weep not. Anybody remember when mama used to cry? I mean, am I the only one? I'd rather get 25 lashes with a hickory than see my mama cry. But when them eyes began to swell with tears and them little hands got my side of my face, it, it tear me up. I'm talking about from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I, it, I mean, it put the fear of God in me. There was just something about seeing her weep. And when Jesus looked at her and saw the tears, she never said, help me, Jesus. She never said, I've got a boy that's dead. You know, Jesus knew there was a boy. He didn't need her to tell her that. All he needed to see was those tears. And he said, weep not, weep not. 
The old song says, oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary and the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. You said, does he really care about my tears? Well, he does. Psalms 56 and verse 8 says he keeps them in a bottle. In a bottle. <laughs> Think about that. Of all the things God keeps up with, he keeps up with every tear you've ever shed. Those nights of loneliness, all alone, all alone, weeping yourself to sleep. He cares. Why can we not weep? Because Jesus cares. Because Jesus came, and I believe He can come again. And maybe not in rapture, maybe in revival. That's my heart's desires. We might have revival. Hey, it might take persecution for it to be real revival. I want to ask you this. Would you be willing to endure persecution in order to have revival? Boy, the list of people wanting revival just got shortened. But Brother David, I read my Bible. Every time God's people were persecuted, he sent revival. He sent revival. They were in Egypt 400 years, and they began to cry because of the cruel taskmasters. And the Bible says the Lord heard them, and he sent a deliverer named Moses, and there was revival. Over and over again, the people were in captivity, and they began to cry, and God gave them a deliverer named Ezra and Zerubbabel and Nehemiah, and he brought them out. What I'm saying is it might take trouble for us to see revival. Jesus came. Jesus cares. Verses 14 through 17, we say, why should you not weep? How can we not weep tonight? Because not only does Jesus care and does Jesus come, but because Jesus can. Jesus can. Amen. If he can raise her son from the dead, there's nothing he can't do. Jesus can. When I was a little boy, I thank God for my, 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 uh, my upbringing. And I can honestly say from a child, I've known the Holy Scriptures were able to make me wise into salvation. But I can remember my daddy used to do children's church there at the little church we went to. And he'd sing, they'd sing this song every week. He's able, he's able, I know he's able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. He's able, he's able, I know he's able. I was back there throwing, chewing gum, pulling girls' hair. But I was listening. It says he healed the brokenhearted and he set the captives free. He made the lame to walk again and he caused the blind to see. Then he'd go, he's able, he's able, I know he's able. And I believe if she was here tonight, she'd say, why can we not weep? Because Jesus can. He can tonight. He still can. He can save the lowest sinner tonight. He can change the worst life. He can lift the heaviest burden. He can answer the heart prayer. He can. I believe she'd say he can. You say what can he do? Anything you need him to do, he can do it. He can. He can. It had been over 500 years since Elijah had raised a young boy from the dead by the power of God. But now once again the power of God was present in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't have the power of God. He was the power of God. Psalm 78, 19 says, Yeah, they spake against God. They said, Can God, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And I'm glad God can tonight, aren't you? He can. I believe He can still save souls. I got two that need to be saved, Macy and Georgia Ray. 
By the way, today's George's birthday. No, yeah, today is. Three-year-old. I believe God can save that little girl. I believe he can save my, my six-year-old daughter, Macy. I believe he can save your children. I believe he can save the lowest sinner in Graves County. I believe, Brother David, you go up here to the Graves County Jail and you find the most strung out, worst case scenario there. And if that person will give their heart and life to Jesus Christ, he can turn them upside down, right side up, however you want to put it. He can save them. He can clean them. He can fill them with the Holy Ghost. He can call them to preach if he chooses to. He can use them. And tonight, God still can. If God can't, then why are we here tonight? If God can't, then why am I preaching tonight? Why don't we just go and marry and, and be eat and drink and, and to, for tomorrow we die. But I'm glad I don't have a God who can't. I got a God who can. He said Jesus can. You see, there was a revival by the word in verse 14. He came and touched the beer and they that bear him stood still. And by the way, when, life touched, when Jesus, the prince of life, touches death, the procession has to stop. They could go no further. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, arise. You see, I too was in the long procession to the grave, but Jesus met me at the gate. Jesus spoke to him as if he were alive because he knew it was as good as done. Tonight, Jesus can still speak the word of revival that we so desperately need. In Ezekiel 37, he told him, Son of man, go and prophesy. He took him out to a valley full of dead men's bones. And he said, prophesy unto these bones that they may live. And old Ezekiel began to preach to them dead bones. Amen. I feel like I've done that a time or two, you brother David. And then bones began to come together. Elbows and hands. And God said, I want you to preach again. But this time, I want you to prophesy in the wind. And say blow on these bones. And the wind blew on those bones. And all of a sudden there was a mighty army in that valley that once was full of dead men's bones. And tonight we see what's going to bring revival. I believe it's going to be the preaching of the word of God. Amen. Oh listen, I like good singing. I like all that. I like shouting and testifying and all that. But revival comes through the preaching of the word of God. Every revival there's ever been. There was a renewed hunger in the people of God for the Word of God. And the preachers could not preach enough. Read about it. They could not preach enough. During the Welsh revivals, they took, there was one man, he preached 14 times a day. And to, they said in the evening he'd be so dehydrated, he'd, he'd, his whole body would cramp. And they was begging him to come preach somewhere else. If, they, if the only time he could show up was 2 in the morning, guess what they'd be? They'd be there at 2 o'clock in the morning. Dying to hear the word of God. There's a revival by the word. What I'm saying is the same Jesus that spoke to this dead boy and revived him from the dead. He can speak to us tonight and revive us as well. There was a reunion with a widow. It says in verse 15. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak and he delivered him to his mother. Amen. What a happy meeting that was. Tears of sorrow or a place with tears of joy. I can imagine Miss Widow of Name, Miss WN, looking around and saying, Hey, y'all can go home now. <laughs> you can put up your flutes and stop playing. Uh, you in the back that have been wailing and weeping, you can stop weeping and wailing. We're not going to the graveyard. I believe she can look down to the graveyard and say, Hey, grave diggers, 
You can cover that grave up. He's going to need it one day, but he ain't going to need it today. Amen. And oh, I believe she could say, I, the prodigal's father, my son which was dead is alive. He was lost, but he's found. Can you imagine the joy and the celebration as she put her arms around that little boy? Amen. Oh, and listen tonight, what a happy day it is when our prayers are answered, when our burdens are lifted, when that cross is lifted by the Lord and he says rejoice child victory's come one day there's going to be a reunion as well you see Jesus is going to step out on the clouds <laughs> this is what I believe he's going to say this is just Jamesology so take it how son of Solomon 2 arise my love my fair one and come away that's just what I'm believing maybe I don't care what he says I'm going whatever he says if he says come up hither like Revelations 4 1, I'm coming up thither. Right. Amen. If he says, get up, get out, I'm going to get up and get out. But I believe, and oh, listen, there's coming, a, there's coming a day, a reunion, listen, where the dead, the grave's going to be robbed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 16, the rejoicing of the witnesses, and there came a fear on all, and they glorified God. They glorified God. Now follow me. Don't miss this. I know it's hot. You're tired and you're ready for me to be done, but I'm not. So y'all hang on. God was glorified because this boy died. I can, you can imagine that somewhere between when he died and to when Jesus met her at the gate, she had to think, why, why? Why did he die? Lord, you've took the last thing I had. You took the last thing I had. And after he raised him, the Lord can look back and say, this is why. Every burden in my life is for the, for the sake of God being glorified. So when you have a hardship in your life, Instead of being mad and angry, and I know I'm just, I'm not trying to say do it. Listen, I, I struggle as much as anybody else, but every burden, every problem, every trouble, every adversity in our life, every tribulation, every bit of it, every vow, all of it is for one reason, so we can glorify Him. If this boy had never died, God would not have been glorified. Verse 17, there was a rumor, though, that went out. And this rumor of Him... Went forth through all Judea and throughout all the region about. That word rumor there means to report a fact, a story well authorized. Because all this happened in this woman's life, there were people that heard about Jesus that never would have heard about him if she hadn't been through this trouble. So tonight, how can we not weep? Because Jesus came. Because Jesus cares. Because Jesus can.